Hello and welcome to Down to Earth Convos Down Under, episode 12. In this episode, Ali and I talk about empowerment versus entitlement, raising financially independent kids, and practical ways to make that happen in your family by helping your kids participate and contribute to the family home. Hey, Ali. Hey, Brad. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I'm great. Really looking forward to getting into this. Awesome to hear it. Yeah, so I was thinking, well, millennials, they get into a bit of a bad rap, especially these days with, you know, the entitlement and these mentalities that are often attributed attributed to them. And, you know, on one hand, that is quite fair. On the other hand, there are plenty of millennials that are not entitled. But my question that I wanted to start today's podcast with was, how do parents empower their kids? What can parents do? to actually help their kids grow in self-confidence, grow in self-worth and self-belief? Well, that's a great question. And it's just one of my favourite topics because when I look into my own life and how I was raised, because I believe that we are a reflection of our parents, our upbringing, our environment. And I look at the way my mum brought me up, which was to be financially independent And I think that's just hugely important. And that was important to me. I I believe that we filter our world in according to what's important to us. And my mum was uh, financial security and financial independence was important to my mum. So she instilled that, those principles, those, that belief into, to us as well. So therefore I wanted to pass and hand down that onto my kids. And I'm a big fan. I believe that you're, you, the parent, for the parents that are listening, are your kids favorite teacher and this is an opportunity to to pass on your values when you're raising the kids now empowerment is it's I I see it as a choice like we can either empower our kids and raise financially independent kids which is as we'll touch on it is hugely important because these kids grow up they turn into teenagers and young adults and their needs and their wants get more expensive And I just knew from, I had this epiphany. I remember I was standing in my kitchen and my kids were asking for stuff. And back then in the day, it was like, what are those things called? Um, What do you call them? iPods. And then it turned into iPhones and iPads, you know, this expensive technology and computers and things. And I was just thinking, well, I I just want to get my kids off my payroll. You know what I mean? It's like, because I think there's a stage where you raise your kids and you provide for them for all their needs and you give them the best that you can afford, education, food, clothing, a roof over your head, all those things, right? I'm just not denying that for a moment. But when it becomes a want, which things that they want to have that they don't necessarily need, so like clothing, even financing their social activities for going to the pictures, you know, hanging out with friends, traveling, you know, whether it's their young kids going to water parks or theme parks, all those sort of things, I saw them was, you know, I don't really necessarily feel as a parent I need to provide that for them. And we were just always busy raising, you know, running a business, growing a business. And quite frankly, when I reflect back to all those years ago, I was cash poor. Not, I'm not that today. And what I'm proud to say, Brad, is that my three kids are financially independent. I don't finance them. And it's so important that, look, I might admit that I've got two out of my three kids currently living at home still. One, they're quite young. One's still a teenager and one's in their early 20s, but they pay their way. 
So I'm going to answer this question by empowering your kids to start early, start them paying their own way. And they can do that by contributing and participating to the family home. And this starts from an early age. And I believe the earlier, the better. My kids, I got them contributing and participating in the family home from a very young age. Okay. So the very first concrete uh, step is starting from a young age. And what does that look like? What are they starting? What are they doing in the family home to contribute? Is that like chores? Yeah, chores. Let's let's call it chores or just being involved in what, what in life. Like the family home is a platform for life lessons. So just start with the kitchen. You know, I've had my toddlers making homemade pizzas. They love it. They make a huge mess. I, I love to share this because when I talk to my clients and people that I know, I say, what would I ask parents, what would be the one thing that you would do differently if you had the chance to raise your kids again, which we don't. That's called grandchildren. And they often say, I just wish I had got my kids to do more when they were young, because as they get teenagers, it's like that old dog, new tricks. I love that metaphor. It's like uh, children are just a sponge and they're so open to learning new things. So don't rob them of the opportunities. Who cares about the messy house? Teach them to clean up. So just making pizzas, homemade pizzas, getting them involved, helping them hang the clothes out, putting the clothes in the wash. It just starts from really it's just starts from everyday life and then because really we're we're raising our kids to be independent we want them to leave the home and fend for themselves and start and and what we don't want to be robbing them of the right to do the things that we might take for granted we need them self-sufficient we need them emotionally intelligent and financially independent that's that was what I, i i really valued and that's what I'm doing. And I just love it that my kids are doing that now and that they are helping their friends become more independent as well. Yeah, I think being entitled and being dependent kind of go hand in hand together. So if you can Absolutely. work on one, you're kind of working on both at the same time as well. So breaking the cycle of entitlement or the trend of entitlement at the moment kind of comes back to helping people to become more independent and more capable to do things on their own. Um, You've got a few more, I think, to share on how to help kids and teens grow in self-confidence, self-worth and self-belief. Yeah, okay. So let's just carry on using that as an example. If we are getting our kids to contribute and participate in the family home, I'm a big fan of feeding them what what they like and enjoy. Because if they're doing things that they enjoy, they're going to become good at it. Mm. And when they become good at something, what does that, what does that, what's the end result? They grow in confidence. So my three kids, I've talked about this before. I feel like I've raised three chefs. I've married like a, you know, an unqualified chef and I've raised three unqualified (laughs) chefs because cooking's not my thing. It's incredible that uh, they fill your voids. And I, I love that um, sometimes my kids, they, t- they cook these beautiful meals and they say to me, like particularly my middle son, he goes, mum, when is it your turn to cook? And I said, I can't even believe you asking me that. Like, why do I need to cook when you're such good cooks? Because cooking is not my forte. I will do it, but I prefer raw food probably. So where they grow in self-belief and confidence is when they get competent. It's raising competent kids in all areas of their life. They should be able to know how to fend for themselves. 
And when you're a business person, for those parents who who have a business, we the, when I reflect back to my my 30 years of being a co-founder of ePlants with my husband, I was there for the kids to go to school and my husband was there when they came home. And as they got older, they started to look after themselves with afternoon tea. They'd prepare their family meal. My kids today, as teenagers and young 20-year-olds in their, in their early 20s, they will shop, they will budget, they will prepare a meal. They'll prepare a meal not only for the family, but for if we have guests. And they can prepare food and that for a, a huge amount of people. And so they would do things from like preparing the house for the visitors. And they choose the things that they're good at. So, and then, oh, I haven't added this one. The kids have girlfriends. So that my two sons have two girlfriends. And they are involved as well. So we encourage their girlfriends to cook one night a week if they're staying with us. This is really important. This would love to see more of this. Because of this housing affordability crisis in Australia, the kids aren't leaving home. So we want to ask the question, how long do you want your kids to be at home? I don't mind having them home. I know that they're saving money, but they certainly pay their way. They pay board. They have done from as soon as they left school. So the question, let's talk about that for a moment. If they're paying their own way, it's either, I think, there's two, two great ways. Like some parents get their kids paying their way, paying for themselves a lot earlier because they, they really need it. Kids, our teenagers have valuable skills. Oh, my goodness, they're, tech, they're so tech savvy. That's just one of them that I can come to think of. They can cook. I've just already discovered that. When they get their license, they can shop. They can drop siblings to and from different different events, you know, netball and basketball and whatever they do, swimming. That's what I've done when my, my daughter got her license, then she would take the younger one to drama or what have you. That's That just saves me precious time and energy. And that make, that is building their confidence. They're feeling worthy. They're growing in self-image and self-esteem because they're needed, they're valued, they're appreciated. They're contributing, they're participating. How it, this sounds just so easy, doesn't it? So it when does. I, I, yeah. So to me, it's like just do that. Like get the kids participating, contributing, and appreciate what it is that they're doing. You know, and you do that verbally through communication by saying thank you, as simple as thank you. Like as Richard Branson says, people people thrive on praise. So why not share that? Thank you. What a great job you've done. And be genuine and authentic. Yeah, and on the topic of connecting and communicating, would you also say it's important to share stories, to um, connect in other ways as well? So there's acts of service, which is, you know, the cooking and the preparing the home and handling all of life related to the home and everyone involved in it. Um, what would you say kind of interpersonally? Uh, what would you recommend on that front? That's great. I just want to add a few things just so to explain, expand that participation and contribution with the family home, the cooking, the shopping, picking, dropping the kids off, their siblings to and from work, painting the house, gardening. I have one of my kids that grow food. That's contribution. One, one of my sons cooks more than the other one, but I said, hey, they grows the food and brings the food to the table. 
the garden to the table type thing. So they, you get that during a family, oh, he does nothing, or oh, why don't you ask him? I just love that. That's just, that's, that's just fun, those conversations. So communicating stories is so invaluable and can never be underestimated. Sharing your stories, the parents sharing their stories about what they did as a child or talking about the stories with their grandparents and how they were raised I believe we learn through storytelling mm. and connect. Yeah, connect to your children through sharing those stories and why we do things. Like, why am I teaching you this? One day you're going to move out of home. I'm not going to be cooking your dinner and washing your clothes. Well, that's so, yeah, communication through stories and communication through values. So we, we talk about values. We all have values and it's a hierarchy of values. So if you want to connect to your children, connect to them through their values what's important to them are they going to be listening when you're talking about something that's important to them yes and how do you find out their values you watch their behavior rather than their words their words can be an indicator but you want to see what they're actually doing with their time what they're focusing on what's important to them through how they live their life rather than maybe how they say they or the things that they think they want um that's that's definitely the best way to go about that. And values, values just I'll let we'll give people the tip to go on to Dr. John D. Martin yes. determination of values, where he asks quality of life is based on the quality of questions you ask. So you can determine your own values and you can determine your children's values by asking those quality questions. You touched on a few of them, Brad. Where Can't recommend it enough. Exactly. Where do they spend their time? What do they talk about? What do they spend their money on? What do they read and study? Oh, just jump on, sneak in and see what they're, they're Googling on YouTube. It's just so fascinating. The answers are right in front of you. We should care enough and love our children enough, which our parents do, to find out what's most important to them. So that connection is so easy when you connect through their, their values and appreciate them Love and appreciate them for who they are and they'll become who you love. That's another one of Dr. John D. Martini's quote. Certainly. And to jump back to the stories, uh, so what stories? Is it stories of success, stories of failure, interesting and funny stories, um, stories with a purpose? Uh, would you kind of group them at all or would you just say general stories from, from your life? I would do all of them, whatever comes up in the moment. It's yep. like we don't plan it. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, of course, like if something's happening in the kitchen where the kids are making a mess or something like that and, a, and a, a story downloads to you, just share it. And, yeah, you don't want to hold back. Parents don't hold back. And, and sharing those stories of challenge, that's a really great point, Brad. It's not just the success stories and the funny ones. It's sharing the challenges that you had. I shared the story, which oh, I, I'll need to do a podcast on this one about the fear, like my, you know, the scariest one. And, it, and the scariest story that I've ever had happen to me was when I was attacked when I was 15 years old, walking home from, you know, the, working in a milk bar, which I just couldn't get home that particular night. That was horrifying for me. So then that creates my destiny so I was very protective of my children growing up I didn't want them to walk in the dark so it was very important for me to know how where they were who they were with and how they were getting home hmm. so that is just like the three golden rules of how I've raised my kids just a few of them as well so share the stories of challenge and and heartache and and that sort of thing so it's so important to share little bits and pieces of it 
at the right age, when they're ready, when yep. you feel the time's right. The parent knows this. The parents, yes. the parents will. Now, what about the financial side of things? How do we pass on good financial lessons? Because that's not only going to impact your teenager, but potentially their teenager and so on down the line, because uh, good financial management is typically passed along, not always. You have that rule that wealth often disappears within three generations, but people that learn to manage money properly from a young age will almost always be more financially successful and able to live the life that they want the, rather than people who have to struggle and stumble and maybe sometimes they figure it out later on maybe sometimes they don't oh yeah that look that i've never put those two words together financially struggle and stumble stumble yes i always do financial struggle i like that going together so I guess like I'm a financially savvy mum and it was my mum was financially savvy. See how the cycle starts? Mm. And my dad was an entrepreneur, worked for himself. My mum was a teacher. So I had that nice contrast of both, working for yourself and working for others. So I like to share financial, I like to share traits, entrepreneurial traits, because I believe that they're very worthy of sharing. And when you look at statistics, Financially savvy people often have their own business and entrepreneurs. I believe that we're coming into a time of a, an entrepreneur revolution where there'll mm. be young entrepreneurs. They are appearing every day. There's going to be new problems that need solving in this world. There's going to be new businesses created. So let me see how I'm going to answer this one. Uh, so financial education, hugely important. Education was important to my mum, so therefore it's important to me. It, and I have financially ed educated my kids i've done it in many ways by sharing stories like i would open my computer i would show my kids the my stock market profile i tell them about what's red and what's green what's a blue chip stock and what's not 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 giving financial advice to any of our listeners i talk about business on a daily basis where my kids used to be annoyed because we'd be talking about the dramas that we had at work who didn't turn up who was sick who pulled a sickie who who didn't pull their weight my seven-year-old used to, when my son Sam was seven or eight years old, he'd come up to me in business and he would say to me, those three employees over there are talking to each other and that's 10, 20, 30 minutes. And he would say to me, these are two real stories. My son Sam would say, hey, did that guy pay for the cycad in the back of the ute? I didn't see him go to the office. So the kids become mm. a product of their environment, their upbringing, the conversations that you have. So this is financial education it doesn't have to be reading books, although I recommend books. My kids aren't all readers. Then now I, I, I always put this out there that if you don't read, hey, how about going on Audible? There's some really cool books out there. Raise your financial education by listening to some books if you're not going to read them. Going to seminars. I love going to live seminars and workshops where they're property or just bullion, things like that. I've, been, I've just attended conferences recently last year a four-day conference in Sydney with a wealth coach. So my son, Sam, and I, we have a connection with certain values. So for the parents that are listening, you'll have children. If you've got three children, their values will be different. They'll share some values. We share values, right? So what you want to do, getting back to that communication and connecting to them, you connect to their values. So right now I'm doing one-on-one, one-to-two uh, one mentoring with my son who's my middle son who's learning calls for difference my middle son I invited him 
Uh, my youngest son, I invited him. He said, oh, no, that's not his thing. I only asked him once. I oh, You invite them in to us. So then, so with education, you want to, the reason why I brought that up is you want to involve them where they've got a connection. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So like my young son, Bailey, might grow food. We could be, I could be financially educating him, talking from a young child. Oh, my golly, look how much money we're saving. Do you know the price of watermelons at the moment? You know, avocados, that sort of thing. So the, the message here is use life as a platform. Don't waste the precious moments you have with the child to send them a message, a financial lesson. And you could be sharing, if you're not financially savvy, like my mum and I am, my mum was and I am, you could be teaching, they could be learning from what you did, what they could do better. So don't ever, parents never, ever think, oh, my golly, what could I teach them? Because they will be learning from what you may, what you could be doing better. Mm. So, but yeah, financial education, yeah, of course, like you don't want to, like I remember my son, so I went to university to pursue my interest in business and finance. So I did a university uh, degree in accounting and economics, right? My middle son, he said to me back in high school when it was time for him to look to look at the pathway of university, and he just thought that I wanted him to pursue a university degree. And it came up when I was in a conversation with the principal of the school. The principal, I'm so glad he was switched on. It was Brother Paul at, at, the, at the time. He said, he just looked straight at Sam and said, what do you want to do, Sam? And it was like, Sam, had, Sam didn't want to go to uni. That wasn't his pathway. He used to come home from school and he used to give me his report. And it was like, it was okay. There weren't highest distinctions there. I just used to say to Sam, how'd you go? Did you try your best? The subjects that Sam did well in were business. And it's no coincidence that what he's following now, because he has freedom of choice, to study what he wants to study. It's no coincidence that he's reading financial books, studying calls for difference, has been to covered calls with me on seminars, property seminars, wealth conferences in Sydney with Kevin Green, that he's got a wealth coach. See, just let them be and just stand back and watch what they enjoy and you feed it. Parents are dream enablers. So really watch and observe like you said before what do the kids want to do what are they interested in where are they spending their time and just keep feeding them that and educate them that way and there'll be financial lessons weaved right throughout every day i think that's a really good point that you made about mistakes being perfectly valid lessons as well because if you do everything perfectly um there's not so much that can be learned from it whereas if you've made mistakes talking about those it's going to help a lot because You've got the path that you went down, what you could have done differently. It uh, makes it a lot easier to, to understand the lesson there. So the next one that I think you wanted to talk about was participation. And my question is, does participation differentiate, uh, is participation different from contribution or do those two go hand in hand or uh, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, that is yeah, I think it's almost like we need to have to get the dictionary because I love those two words and they sort of correlate and interrelate, don't they? Contribution is contributing. I, like, I'm a big fan that the kids contribute without expecting anything in return. They're part of the family home. They contribute to the meal, the chores, cleaning up. I mean, that's, yeah, my mum raised, my mum used to say that she didn't have a dishwasher because she had three of them. She didn't have an electronic one. She had, a, she had the three kids. 
you know, one washed up, one cleared, washed up and put away or whatever it was. So contribution is contributing with maybe not expecting anything in return. And I think, yeah, I, I think actually looking at those those two words, contrib- contribution and participation, are similar and interrelated. So participation is a part of belonging. It's a sense of belonging, isn't it? Belonging to a family unit. And look how we bring that in through our kids' girlfriends or friends. So if they've got their mates around, we rally them in as well. We mentor and coach them like they're our own kids. Actually, we do the same with our employees. We've had the privilege of employing more than 500 youth over the last 30 years and we teach them the lessons that they don't teach in school or that the parents haven't taught them because maybe they don't have those skills and we just generously give everything that would help them in their future just changing attire you know just just teach the kids stuff so participation raises self-worth self it and self-image because they have a sense of belonging if you participate don't let them stay out in the sidelines, bring them in. So does that sort of answer that question? They sort of are different, but they are intertwined, I think. Yeah, certainly. And it brings it back even to connect and communicate because that, at the end of the day, they are all interweaved. And um, yeah, I think that participation really builds up the bond between everyone that's involved. And that's a very, very good thing. So the next one is boundaries. And I think there's a bit of uh, an issue with parents who aren't perhaps willing to parent when they should be. Um, it doesn't even need to be like tough parenting or anything. It's just having some boundaries, having some expectations, because I can tell you, I was raised really quite permissively. Um, and I think I would have benefited from a little bit more uh, boundaries and a little bit more expectations and a little bit more you can call it strictness and toughness, but I think it's more just, you know, being a parent. Uh, what do you have to say about that, Ali? Well, the first one that came to mind, because you gave two contrasting scenarios there. So it is about that balance mm. and you need to step in when it's needed. So like boundaries are there to protect our children. So I think I believe in both. I believe in the freedom of choice for them to study and choose a career and a profession and a trade or whatever it is for them. That's their choice. Like sometimes that is forced upon them. You know, they're encouraged or encouraged to follow a pathway that may not be for them. So I definitely believe in choice and freedom and to learn what they want to learn and guitar and music and arts and crafts and sport and and all whatever life has got to offer, which is just in, just beautiful. It's so much to, there's so much out there. So that way I like that freedom, freedom of choice to, you know, to listen to their heart and follow their, their true passion and that sort of thing. And they may take time to discover this. They will. Some of them know it straight away, but others don't. So, but then you need to be a little bit strict and rally them in when it's needed to keep them safe and to protect them from what's out there. So I was, you know, and my mum was a little bit like that with me and I felt like it worked. So often we go to look at our parents, how were we raised, what we liked about how we were raised. So we want to do that with our kids. And then sometimes we'll go, you know, I didn't like the way dad was so heavy strict on me and you know I'm going to be a little bit more relaxed in that area whatever it might be but it's always good to use stories to relate so I'm hoping parents can can just know that it's a balance and I'm part of a parent group 
and a lot of the a lot of the frustrations that I hear from the parents sometimes single mums have challenging times setting boundaries and and bringing their kids in when needed because these teenagers are teenage years they're, they're quite they're very tough years so we're very we've got power of the mind so these young kids have got powerful powerful beliefs and if they want to do something they just want to do it and they'll huff and puff and they'll they can be they can give the parents grief so getting back to early for those parents who are listening who've got younger children that respect and that communication that mutual respect it comes from an early age so if my kids were going to do something that I didn't approve of I would just do everything in my power to communicate the message that I needed to communicate to them hey I'm not happy with you going out to a party on the beach because you're only 15 and I can't control the environment there. I don't mind you going to your friend's place. I always give them that contrast because I know there's parents there. I know who's going to be there. They call them gatherings, but a party on the beach on a Saturday night in a public place, it, it, that was outside my comfort zone as a parent. So you, the parents have got to explain and like take the time to say, hey, you know, I'm, I love you. I can't replace you. You know, there's only one of you. It's, I, I've said things like that. You know, I care about you. Hey, you drive carefully. And I always use the right languaging. So I, I, I'm very conscious of languaging. So it's drive carefully, stay safe, look after each other. See how there's a positive connotation there? So this is all part of the communication. And when you are not coming down on your kids, cracking down on your kids all the time, they're more open to listen to you longer. You've heard me talk about the 15 second rule. Yeah, so you don't waffle on. Yeah, which I have a tendency to do. So if you're talking to kids, teenagers, teenage boys, they've got a very short concentration span. You're open with a positive. Hey, I'm really excited you're going out this Saturday night. Then you need to tell them what you do, your message as a parent, those boundaries to protect. Hey, look after each other, watch out for each other. You know, hey, getting home. What time are you coming home? You know, little, little, little nitty gritty stuff that you need to say. And then you close. Have a great time. You mm. look great. You look gorgeous. You know, so that's, this is part of it. And you just, I'm hoping that the parents are really grasping this languaging and communication because our kids are not our friends. You've heard me say this before. The parents are the parents. The children are the children. The parents' role is to protect them, set boundaries to keep them safe. And as they grow older and older, when they're out, in the big wide world on their own, they will have, they have been empowered to make choices that will be right for them. You know, I've talked about drugs and things like that for my kids from a very young age. And that's what my mum did for me. So yeah, just, you know, not, not too young, but you, you know, just work it out, share the conversations, conversations. Yeah. Ali, Feel free to say that this is maybe a bit too business oriented, but from a, you know, developing your child's financial and vocational uh, traits, do you think there's a place for parents to sit down with their teenager at some point in their teenage years and say, you know, what are your three month goals? What are your six month goals? What are your 12 month goals? What are you going to do to get there? Um, and check in whether that's weekly, fortnightly, monthly and see where they're at and help them and advise them along that path. Maybe that's a little bit too manager or employee. Maybe that's perfectly fine. Uh, it's just an idea that just came to me. What do you think about that? Well, I think that is an absolutely awesome idea and that's what my children have done 
goal setting and it is a I believe it's a trait of the financially savvy mums and dads and a trait of the financially successful is that they think long term Mm. so that's called vision and I know from my experience because I've you know, I'm so privileged to be my age now. And as Steve Jobs says, you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect the dots looking back. Yep. So I know that looking back, what worked for me was my vision. And sometimes you can write your vision down. A short pencil's better than a long memory. But you visualize. So what you think about, you bring about. You are what you think about all day long. So vision, I believe it starts with a vision or a dream. So I definitely encourage this with parents. It's it's really letting our kids know that the world is 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 full of opportunities. I want them to be optimistic, but also real because there's you know it's both. It's optimistic and it's pessimistic. You know. So yes, most definitely. So my if I talk about my younger son, my younger son, he, I don't know. I can't even remember whether I instigated it, whether he learned it at school or whether he learned it from the YouTube. He had short-term, medium-term, long-term goals, and he had a vision board. So two out of my three kids had vision boards, which basically is one way. So if you're talking young children, why not introduce a vision board, a dream board, a collage of pictures of what they want to achieve, what they want to see, what they want to visit, what, what they want to do, because the brain learns in pictures. And this is a cool story because so if I speak about one child at a time, my son, Bailey, was into film, photography. He had big, awesome red cameras on his vision board. He had his veggie gardens because he loves doing food. He visualised things. He cut out pictures. He put them on the vision board. He had Travis Rice, the number one freestyle snowboarder in the world. He had him on the vision board because he, because he was attached to the films that he used to watch and stuff. And places he wanted to see, Rome, what have you. I don't want to go on and on about it. But in a vision board, you could actually get these kids to do short-term, medium-term, long-term. They could almost divide it. I think this is a practical thing for kids. Getting back to Bailey, he did meet Travis Rice. He met him personally. He had time with him. He asked questions. He had a red camera on the – he carried one. He he held it. I've got – if anyone looked looked this up, it's all on my Facebook pages – that became to fruition. His veggie gardens became massive. He met people on there. My daughter, Georgina, an actor, she had Nicole Kidman on her vision board. She met Nicole Kidman in person, one-on-one, engaged in a short conversation, had photos. That's just someone that she wanted to you know, meet in her life and hopefully she gets a chance to meet her again. So they work. So goals, yes, most definitely. And for my husband and I, my husband is a visionary. He's, he's got a massive vision, astronomical vision, and I would definitely encourage that and just, just start small and why not use the vision boards as, as something fun for the kids to do. So you'll see on my Facebook page, if anyone wants to go on my Family Wealth Coach page, you'll see I've got photos of vision boards and my clients, I encourage them to do them with their kids as well. All right, I'll put a link to that in the notes. It's a yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I was just thinking, um, yeah, to tie it in with the vision boards. Um, but yeah, I was just wondering, is that a little bit too, you know, you're treating your kid like an employee or making it a bit businessy? But I, I think if the tone is uh, as a parent helping and facilitating their child learn and grow, then that's perfectly fine. So Ali, yes. on the empowerment versus entitlement side of things, uh, any key takeaways from today's session? 
that you really want parents to put into practice with their teens? Yeah, it's, I've been, I just ask my question this all the time. How, what can I tell them? What can I tell everyone just in a nutshell, how to raise financially independent kids? It's like, yeah, share the vision. Have, have the dream, starts with a dream and set the, these, these goals that we just chatted about. And they have the self-belief because the world's full of opportunities. If, if the most successful person in your child's life, whether into sport, music, entertainment, arts, whatever it is for them, just get to choose someone. And that's what it was for Georgie, by the way. It was Nicole Kidman. And I used to say to Georgie, look inside Nicole Kidman. She can do it. You can do it. Do you know what I mean? Dream, like you want them to dream big. And then you just, yeah, you, you've got to create that optimism. It, it, has to, it has to happen. They have to have an optimistic vision of the future. I reckon that's number one. And number two is start it early, as early as you can. And it's never too late. So the parents are raising their kids right now. There are no mistakes. Your kids have learned lots from you, their parents. So, you know, I'm not your kids' parents. I'm just throwing ideas around. So please get the kids to, to value them, to get them to contribute and to participate from an early age, as early as you can, because it's going to be easier later because of the whole new dog thing, you know? So because when your teenagers are older, it might be harder to get them out, you know, from the, the couch and off their, their devices. So just start it early, encourage them. So love and appreciate them for who they are and they'll become who you love. So just remember with the communication, be mindful of the languaging because they will be more open to listen to you when you are engaging in a conversation that's not too hardcore. You, you know what it's, and, and this is the other thing I didn't bring up. Just reflect back to when you were a teenager. Did you want to be yelled at by your kids or told what to do all the time and you're not good enough or you haven't done that? So just remember that balance. Tell them what they're doing well, they're learning and growing, and then give them some nitty-gritty stuff. You have got to keep them safe, set boundaries to protect them, and then always just close with love, you know, that, that lovely take care, you look great, have fun, see you when you get home. I hope that helps. Lots of key takeaways there. I really like the start early one, not just because it is easy to start early, but because the benefits compound. And so if you start early, then it's just a huge head start over those who get started a bit later on. Um, I think my key takeaway was the laundry list of ways that um, teens can help out around the home that you rattled off early on. And I'll make sure that I list each of those as dot points in the description so that they're really accessible to anyone who wants to have a think about maybe not necessarily implementing those, but other ones that are along those lines uh, with their own teenagers. Well, thanks for watching. Bye for now. Have a good one. We'll see you again next time. Thanks, Brad. Bye for now.